episode 49 of the Movie Brats podcast. I am Carter, and joining me, as always, is Jonathan. How are you doing, Jonathan? I am in the middle of a lot of grading, but I have finished the semester in class, and I'm just going to be grading a bunch of papers. So, uh, And looking forward to the Oscars on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Always watch them, even though we both have not watched uh, all of the nominees, or as many as we usually would, but we've both seen uh, a number of them in the last few weeks, as opposed to just like two weeks ago, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. As opposed to throughout the year, as one would naturally do. It's just been a cramming over the last couple of weeks, basically. But last time we did three movies associated with the best actress race. This time we're going to do three movies associated with best actor, which are also coincidentally best picture nominees. We're going to start off with the, or not the sound of metal sound of metal (laughs) directed by Darius Martyr, who previously had done a documentary called loot in 2008. Uh, This movie stars Riz Ahmed and Olivia cook. It is about a heavy metal drummer who suddenly begins to lose his hearing and needs to cope with his new sort of uh, reality. Uh, premiered almost two years ago, September 6, 2019, at the Toronto International Film Festival, uh, became widely available November 20, <laughs> November 20th, 2020, on Amazon Prime, a Metacritic score of 82, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 97. I watched this one just the other day at home on Amazon Prime. Did you see this one in a theater? No, I really wish I had. I saw it on Amazon Prime a few weeks ago with my friend. We do our film viewing once a week where we watch films at our own place. And uh, he had just gotten Amazon Prime. So we uh, did Sound of Metal. And uh, the sound design in this film is really incredible. I have oh, it's incredible, sound. yeah. I have sound uh, surround sound at home, but in a theater, it would have been even more incredible. Yeah, as you could imagine with the title and the premise, sound is like an extremely important part of this movie. And similar to another movie we're going to talk about later, it was very uh, sort of like a big mission of the movie was to put you sort of into the perspective of the main character. How like when he can't hear, you can't hear. And I thought that was really interesting how they did it. And uh, Riz Ahmed, who's an actor I knew best for uh, mostly TV work. He was in The Night Before on HBO, which I was a big fan of. of. The night of, sorry, the night before is the Christmas comedy with Seth Rogen. Uh, <laughs> the night of, but he is the one who's getting most of the acclaim for this. He's a Best Actor nominee, and it's one of those roles where you sort of like read about all the work he did before. Apparently, it was like eight months of learning how to play the drums and do sign language, and like working on his physique, which you can very much tell when you're watching the movie. The opening scene is like a close up on him playing the drums, and you're just like, oh my god, this guy is shredded, but. Uh, it's one where you can definitely tell he put in the work because his performance really is outstanding. And it's actually like really naturalistic for a move uh, for like a performance you would think is like very much showing off all the work you did, but he actually did a really good job of making the sort of background work, just sort of part of the character and the performance. Did you see that? Right. I think I've heard actors talk before about you put in a lot of effort. You do a lot of planning. You really put a lot into creating the character And then you kind of just throw it away on set. It's there, but you try not to think about it. You Mm -hmm. let it just, you you absorb it so much in the pre-production that when you get in front of the camera, it should just be like in your pores almost. So he's, yeah, it's such a, it's one of those performances like Viola Davis when we're talking about Ma Rainey that, you know, you did all this stuff, but the performance is so grounded and feels so real. And the way the film is shot the kind of aesthetic of the film mm-hmm. just it's it feels so lived in you feel like i mean we were talking before how this project had uh, a basis uh, with uh, derek c in france who's directed films like blue valentine and places beyond the pines uh for quite a long time mm-hmm. um he had been involved with making a film of some sort of the same subject matter about a heavy drummer heavy metal drummer that was losing his hearing. And I think that there was a documentary shot that was never really released, mm-hmm. but uh, he is a one of the screenwriters of the film with Darius Martyr. And I think that this film really has a documentary aesthetic a lot of the times, mm-hmm. uh, but also it's very artful and a, a work of cinema that's like a narrative cinema because like you said, it puts you in 
uh, his head, you know, through his hearing, and it makes you realize how horrible it would be. How? Oh my God! Yeah. It just. It, it, I mean, it's like we understand that the deaf community. There's some people that like to think, you know, not considered a handicap, mm-hmm. but I, it made me just. It would be so difficult because, especially if you had been hearing exactly and all of a sudden you lost it it would just be so drastic like going trying to communicate with people would be so drastic well and like they add the extra element this movie just sort of like it starts off with one thing and like another element is added on to it i don't think it's that big of a spoiler to find out that like he's a recovering addict and that ends up becoming part of the movie but, but it's just like one thing on top of the other um but in like the thing that really makes this premise interesting is like it is his livelihood to like sort of be able to hear because he's a musician. And at the beginning when he's sort of like still coping with it, he's like trying to perform without being able to hear. And like, everyone can tell something's really off. And uh, I don't know. It's it was, almost like a sports figure going out when he's injured. It's like, Oh, you're pushing it. You might. Get oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. The doctor's like, we just seem to be concerned with like keeping the hearing you have. And then like cuts right to him playing the drums. And I was like, Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, <laughs> like just like shrunk in my seat and yeah it's it's such a th- th- there's so much volatile in his life because he, he i mean even before he loses his hearing they're like basically living in a trailer mm-hmm. and going from sh- performance to performance doing right. the tour they're they seem to be popular but have a small dedicated fan base and so mm-hmm. you know the idea that oh well i can just take off and have this very expensive surgery that is not really in the cards but they do go to a uh they do take him to a rehab which is for specifically hearing impaired or deaf people that are addicts and uh paul racy who along with riz ahmed gives a really incredible performance he's nominated for best supporting actor mm-hmm. and he is just such i mean riz ahmed is a pretty well-known actor but paul racy is one of those people character actors that looks like a real person yes you see the lines in his face and there's his face is just he has such a great face for film you know it, it just he can be sitting there and looking and it says so much even mm-hmm. more than words which i think is partially what the film is about how mm-hmm. you know it language and speaking uh how that you know we take it for granted and like when you have to do american sign language like you really have to consider what you're quote unquote saying mm-hmm. you have to it, it makes you think about how you communicate with other people how you live your life how you have relationships with other people yeah i mean the paul racy performance is one of those ones that's like for the most part really understated there's really only one scene where he gets to like uh sort of chew on the scenery as an actor <laughs> it's only how much chewing on scenery you can do when you're doing a performance mostly in sign language but in that one scene it's like extremely affecting and it's i'm mean, just the way the two actors riz ahmed and paul racy play off each other is like incredible it will um, be the scene they show when they have the clip uh for the oh definitely definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah um someone we haven't mentioned yet olivia cook i had seen her in ready player one <laughs> Uh, not much else, but it was. It's. I'd seen her in Bates Motel, the Psycho prequel series. Oh yeah, she was frequent uh, cast member in that, she and she sort was of always also, mentioned as like an up and coming actor. She was in a a, a very well reviewed film that came out in Sundance a few years ago. Me and you and I, uh, me Earl and the Dying Girl, which I despised oh, yeah. with a passion. I hated that film, <laughs> but uh, she is a good uh, young actress, and uh, she certainly is. Uh, you know, she she's not in it for a big chunk of it but the beginning she really what's sort of a i felt like it was sort of a thankless role for a lot of it until like the very end when they have a really good scene together at their sort of uh reunion after he spends a lot of time in this the sort of rehab clinic ends up being sort of the main focus of the movie and him sort of just sort of negotiating his newfound state and uh finding new ways to communicate with other people who have sign language and I mean, it's just, it's very much a character study. More than most of the movies nominated this year was really focused on just the one person. I guess Nomadland is similar in that way, but that was a little more about like the culture of the Nomad than uh, Fern specifically. Well, on this one, you're just like so focused on this one person and his sort of personal journey through like a very, very trying. This is one of those ones. I think, I mean, you mentioned it. It's like you, every time 
he like goes through something you just like think about like how much it would suck to have to deal with this and just how scary it would be to just like wake up one morning and like you can't hear it. like your reality is completely different than it right was before. i mean there's the idea of you know oh you can't but when you it's like you hear the cock i don't know just you hear the like your sound the the sound of the world just dying down and uh-huh. it's like you're rubbing your ear you're like ooh eardrums it's just it's so uh, yes. visceral it <laughs> yes. makes it visceral there was i touched my ear like many many times watching this movie yeah, visceral is a very good way to describe it which i mean shows the effectiveness of a movie if you like sort of feel it physically al- while you're watching it and also on on paper this may sound like kind of a oh it's a disease of the week or you know an issues film that you mm-hmm. know oscar bait film but it's actually really gritty and grounded and human and it's not oh you know this man has lost his hearing and he's a recovering drug addict and mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not like a lifetime movie at all no it actually like downplays the addict stuff a lot and it, it it's not like i mean obviously it's a huge part of it but it's just sort of like a person who is an addict it doesn't make like the addict part of it define him like as much as you might expect a movie that's like about a recovering addict to do that well yeah it's like you know he isn't he hasn't taken drugs for a number of years but you're you know they say you're always an addict mm-hmm. so he it's something he's because of him losing his hearing he's worried that he's going to be mm-hmm. using it that's like, like the inciting go- incident is he, he has a cigarette and his girlfriend is like oh no i yeah. hope this doesn't go bad but right really yeah. good i think we both recommend this and it's on amazon prime which most humans in the world have <laughs> so right it's very yeah, easily yeah. available i mean we say this about every film but um if you have surround sound certainly yes watch it with surround sound and crank it up sound is yeah an extremely important uh, element of this movie no surprise that it was nominated for best sound which used to be two awards right it was sound mixing and sound editing and now yeah. it's just one award so there were like seven people nominated um yeah a bit weird <laughs> well there's still just five right yeah, but I mean, that's, let's see, one, two, three. Yeah, there are five people. But previously, that would have been like three for editing and two for mixing. Now it's just going to be funny to just see like five people walk up on stage. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's a separate sort of thing. Right. And and then it's like those categories, like they give them like they, they're the farthest back in the audience. And by the time they walk up there, okay, you got 15 seconds. <laughs> exactly. So, so only one of them gets to speak and then they're like wrapping it up. Right. And it's like, I'd like to thank my kid. La, 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 la. <laughs> it's like, just thank the producers and leave. <laughs> yeah. The trick is, if you want to talk, you'd say like, my father died earlier this year. Exactly. And, music. and yeah. then they're like, oh, no, we can't. <laughs> we yeah. can't just kick this guy off the stage. Right. But uh, yeah. So Th- Sound of Metal, uh, one of the better best, uh, best picture nominees, I think. Oh, definitely. And I, I mean, it's we'll probably touch on this later but it's hard it's hard for me personally to call like who's gonna win best actor right now but i would not be surprised at all if riz ahmed ended up winning i'd be surprised but um we'll talk we'll talk about (laughs) after we've gone through the three we're gonna Uh, talk about so second is minari which premiered when uh january 26 2020 at sundance film festival so three festival movies uh that we're talking about here today uh directed by lee isaac chung who uh his last movie was i've seen my last born and i think he has three other films credited to his name some of them don't have imdb pages i'm guessing you haven't seen any of his other movies no this is certainly his major breakthrough yes i haven't seen any other uh steven yon is uh uh the star of this one hanye ri plays the wife is and then will Patton, uh who most people would know from remember the titans <laughs> or armageddon has a supporting role steven yon is the one who uh, was uh, received the Oscar nomination for Best Actor for this movie. It is about a Korean family who moves from California to a farm in Arkansas to try to make a better life for themselves. Um, released wide February 12th. I think this movie's really only available in theaters or for the sort of $20 uh, more expensive on-demand theater price on-demand uh, that you can get right now. Uh, a 24 <laughs> release. A24 release, a Metacritic score of 89, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 98. This was a movie that I started hearing about, uh, I feel like a while ago. I think there was like a sort of big news cycle about this movie before it came out uh, publicly. Just, I mean, because it came out, <laughs> it's Sunday and such a long time ago. 
but so I, I mean, this was a very, very hyped movie before I ended up watching it, which was not that long ago at this point. You saw this one in theaters, right? Yes, I went to Atlanta and saw four of the Best Picture nominees uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a very moving film. And like in an odd way, I'll compare it to Sound of Metal. On paper, this could be like a really awardsy mm-hmm. Oscar Beatty film. An immigrant family in the 80s moves to America to experience the American dream. And mm-hmm. there's family strife, there's hardship, their marriage is put it uh you know in turmoil but it's actually the characters are all very complex and Mm -hmm. richly drawn and the performances are so just perfectly nuanced and yeah i found it a really quietly moving film it's it's a small movie it goes at its own pace Mm -hmm. uh it's mostly in korean but uh in the director it's very much based on his own life a lot Mm -hmm. of this is uh autobiographical not everything but I found it. He's sort of the son character, I figure. Right. And, He's got you know, sort of a heart issue. And in a lot of ways was the main character. I was surprised to see because yeah. Stephen Yoon was nominated for best actor, but he was not in it as much as I expected. It was a lot more well, focused on the son. I mean, the Stephen Yoon and the son are like almost the two. Most- Co-leads. Right. And um, the actress who plays the grandmother, who no one can remember her name, and even she has been (laughs) campaigning using a nickname, she is almost certainly going to win Best Supporting Actress. And she's really uh, entertaining at first uh, because she's this kind of brash grandmother who swears and gambles (laughs) and isn't the typical grandmother. But then she gets, you know, real emotional. You know, you get really emotionally attached to her Mm -hmm. and uh, she has health problems towards the end of the film and she uh there's decisions that happen that put the family uh you know uh the 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 state of the family you know whether they're going to stay together you know Mm -hmm. what they're going to do and i just yeah i found a very moving film uh and very very well acted it's just it's one of those small little movies where just everything about it you know the the cinematography and the acting and the writing and the directing it's just all very you know it's a very high quality yeah, it was, I mean, it was a very small movie. I expected, I don't know, I I don't know if it's just my imagination, but I remember hearing things like American Epic to describe this, which it very much is not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like an epic of the personal and like the intimate, because I mean, it's not as if these people's struggles is like to be downplayed or anything like that, but they're- I mean, almost are, the whole film takes place, uh, you know, in and around a trailer. <laughs> basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> or in like a sort of chicken industrial plant that's like very small, but um, it's very focused movie. I mean, really like tightly focused movie that um, I sort of expected more to happen, but I wasn't disappointed that stuff didn't happen. <laughs> If you know what I mean, because it's one of those ones where you're really, really invested in what happens to these people, which sometimes like as a person who watches a lot of movies, it's very easy to distance yourself from the characters. And sometimes I am not like that worried where like life takes these people. But in this one, I was like very, very invested in these characters, which is a credit to the writing and the directing and also the performances, obviously. But I mean, just like the way they like use point of view and like the way the kids are like sort of looking, uh, like watching their parents like talking or arguing, just sort of like in the corner, like observing. It was it was a good movie of observing and the sort of main observing character. This was the son. Uh, So you can sort of imagine or sort of understand why it's sort of based on someone who ended up becoming a filmmaker, because it, it seems like he's very focused on you know, small intimate moments between his parents and sort of notices things like that. And it's also one of those ones. That, well, I was just going to add that the one of the way, one of the things he did when he started this film was that he made this long list of things he remembered from his childhood. Some of them big things, some of them really small things, like uh-huh. the things his grandmother brought from uh, Korea when she uh-huh. got to the house, the foods that it made his mother cry. And she was like, you're crying over food and that <laughs> she hadn't had it in so long, the spices. And so uh, the film is, you know, some of it is fictionalized, but there's so many moments and down to the small details that were very much from the writer director's life. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say that one thing to me that makes the film uh, so you so connect to the characters is that there's really no, 
heroes and villains or you know the people are complex and mm -hmm. there's uh the father makes decisions that are questionable but you understand why he's doing it and mm -hmm. you know you you every character you have a lot of sympathy for even if every decision they make is not necessarily the best and even will Patton's character seems really kooky he's a decent person uh -huh. yeah like, i mean like yeah stuff. just from the outside you'd be like this guy is a lunatic and even like it shows like some characters in the movie like they're like this guy's insane like the kids like you know flick him off and make fun of him but like he is like not a bad guy and if you just take the time to understand him you can sort of understand where he's coming from and that he means well and that was i that was a really good performance i hadn't seen will Patton in anything for like i feel like a long time he had a big moment in the late 90s early 2000s with armageddon and remember the titans and gone in 60 seconds but he's just a very solid character actor that i was very happy to see uh given a pretty prominent role in like a important movie of last year right yeah and uh we should mention steven yun uh is probably best known to audiences from being on the walking dead mm -hmm. but he was also in a really great film from a few years ago burning south korean film that mm -hmm. was uh one of my five favorite films that year and he uh yeah uh, i think he's the first asian american to be nominated for lead actor i think that's true wow yeah and i think riz ahmed is the first muslim uh person to be nominated for best actor ever uh mahershala yeah. ali has won twice recently but for supporting actor but i think the first uh, -huh. uh I, this this sounds weird like openly muslim like there could be people that are not you know don't it's like openly gay but it's like mm -hmm. that that have set, that we know of that are muslim uh, mm -hmm. i think riz ahmed is the first uh muslim to be nominated that's for lead actor and that's so crazy you don't think about things like that that actually like uh, yeah. that hardly ever happens a muslim person being nominated right for any academy award right so yeah uh, minari certainly worth seeing if you're vaccinated and you feel comfortable uh, see it in the theater and uh it will probably if it's not already uh will eventually come out a uh, regular price on streaming <laughs> yeah. and DVD. not before the oscars unfortunately right and i think Minari. every movie's better in the theater but minari of the best picture nominees i think would work fine at home yeah yeah because i mean it's not it's weird to say, but it wasn't like an extremely cinematic movie in the way that like sound. Uh, of I disagree with that. I think it is, but it's not like a big screen movie. Yeah, you know, it has to be seen on a big screen. I think every film's better. I want to see, you know, a Mike Lee film <laughs> in IMAX, but I, uh, I don't think that Minari it would sign. I, I think, for example, Nomadland, you really would lose something watching it at home. Uh, mm -hmm. on a, on a, well, because yeah, that movie's such about like big open spaces. Right. And, uh, and one thing we don't often mention scores, but the score for Minari was outstanding. Uh, Emil yeah. Masseri, who has done like very small movies. He did The Last Black Man in San Francisco in Kajillionaire. And this is his first Oscar nomination. I would not be surprised if he was one of those people that started scoring like everything, sort of like Michael Jackano <laughs> started scoring like every movie that came out. Uh, well, then you get the people like Hans Zimmer and everything. It seems like the world of film composing is a very small one. Well, there's it's it's like the it's one of those where there'll be a year where two of the they'll be nominated twice in the same year. Uh -huh. Well, if you look back, I mean, back in the golden age of Hollywood, it's crazy. There were people that like were nominated for like 25 Oscars. Oh, like Bernard the, Herman and stuff like that. Yeah, right. And uh, you just look back at those classic movies and like they scored like half of the best picture nominees every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this, if, if you, I don't know, it had a really good score. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. So the next one, uh, the father, we both had the privilege to see this one in theaters. This was, uh, I went, had a little double feature. I saw Nomad Land and then the father for the first movie theater experience uh, since Tenet back in September. 2020 um directed by florian zeller based on the play of the same name which apparently is like a sensation worldwide but i had not heard of until the movie which is came his out. play which is yes. his play and originally in french but this is in english um this is it has been done in america with uh frank langella i see yes. in my research uh, an incredible role as the father i mean we'll talk about it but this is his uh directorial debut starring anthony hopkins as the titular father 
and also Olivia Coleman, Rufus Sewell, and then some other people you'd probably recognize like Mark Gaddis. Um, it is about an aging man who's dealing with memory loss while his daughter manages taking care of her life as well as <laughs> his life as well as her own. Uh, premiered last year at Sundance, a day after Minari, January 27th, uh, opened wide in the U.S. February 26th, a Metacritic score of 88 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 98. Um, this is a movie I was watching in the theater and I was just like, this is unbelievable. I thought it was so amazing. I clapped in the theater after the movie ended and everyone looked at me like I was crazy. Like, what are you doing clapping? One of those <laughs> annoying people. I <laughs> exactly. never I was, no, but I, had, I had not seen a movie since Tenet and I was like, this was so good. I hardly ever have like a reaction like that where I see a movie and I'm just like, this is so, so good. Um, but we both agree it's the best of the best picture nominees. Yes. And I mean, it's just, a lot of people say like the the really important sort of key difference between movies and most other art forms is its ability to put you into somebody else's life and let you sort of see the world the way they see it. And the way they manage to deal with uh, the lead characters, memory loss and sort of deteriorating mental state was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was so like it was just so incredible um sort of like the premise of the movie is this guy is having memory loss and it almost entirely takes place in a flat in london so you can sort of understand why it would work very well as a play but despite being based on a play it's like finds ways to be incredibly cinematic but the really sort of interesting thing that it does is it has sort of shifting uh, like the room sort of like shift in its decor and like paintings are in some places in one scene, but not in the same place in the other. And like the production the, design's really incredible. And it's incredible. And then also uh, the sort of next level thing that they do is when the character has sort of difficulty recognizing people that different actors will play uh, like the character. For example, Olivia Coleman plays his daughter ostensibly, but in times where he's sort of like not able to recognize her, a different actress who resembles her like in a lot of ways and actually is also named Olivia. It's Olivia Williams, like stands in for that character. And I just had not seen anything like that in the movie before. I'm sure like it has been done, but just the way they handled it absolutely blew me away. I know you were really impressed by this movie also. Right. I have not seen the play on stage, but it is one of the best adaptations of something that originated on stage to cinema because like you said it's so cinematic it puts you the, the entire film isn't from his uh, mm -hmm. point of view but a large part of it is and one of the things about it is that it's disorienting but it's so compelling it mm -hmm. doesn't tell you ever this is exactly what's really happening mm -hmm. but that's how someone with dementia sees and experiences the world they they're not sure and that's what you know the film you're always kind of loose a little bit about what's going on you're mm -hmm. uncertain but that's what makes it so compelling is that i think that if they had been more concrete and like oh well this is what's really happening mm -hmm. you get snippets of it you get a little bit of like the you know husband and wife just talking mm -hmm. but yeah i mean and the main character's name is anthony Mm -hmm. uh, named you know and the lead actor is anthony hopkins i mean this might be the performance of his career it's certainly one yes. of his very best it's just unbelievably compelling and it's so rich because he even though he's a man who's losing his memory you see flashes of him mm -hmm. being brilliant and also manipulative mm -hmm. in the way he can uh be putting on a performance his character is putting on a performance at times mm -hmm. Yeah, I just and Olivia Coleman is fantastic in it too, in a role that uh, is yes. not flashy, but she there's often she's a great reactor in the film yes. and also repressing emotions. Of, yes, you know you know what she's going through. You can see it on her face, and you know what she wants to say, or you understand the struggle of like, do I make it clear, you know, what he's confused about, or do mm -hmm. I stop it? Yeah, it's, it's a heartbreaking film, but it's not it's not depressing. I don't know. It isn't actually. It's 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 one of those films that has a really depressing subject. Mm -hmm. And what's happening is really upsetting. Yes. But it's so deeply human that it makes you glad you saw it afterwards. You know what I mean? 
Oh, definitely. And like you can just understand like sort of like depths of the relationship between these two people in such a profound way. Um, the sort of like you were talking about Olivia Coleman reacting. I feel like she really thrives in this movie where she plays off a third person. Like there's one scene where the doctor and there's another scene where there's like a potential caregiver and just the way she sort of like interacts with uh, the person who's sort of new to Anthony Hopkins condition. I just was outstanding, like apologizing for him and like uh, sometimes sort of like smiling, being like, oh, it's going well now. but Oh, my God, it could go really, really bad in just a few seconds. Um, and she won uh, Best Actress for The Favorite not that long ago and has been in a ton of stuff like uh, interesting. Yeah. And interestingly enough, she's nominated against Glenn Close, who was the front runner to win Best Actress that year mm-hmm. for The Wife. And I don't think Glenn Close will win for, for Hillbilly Eligibility. I think the grandmother will win for Minari, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very glad she was nominated for The Father. And uh, what's interesting is she was in a lot of comedies. Like she was in. I mean, yeah, like Hot Dark Fuzz. And The Lobster, you know, Lord Yorgos Lanthimos movies. You know, she was. I remember Tyrannosaur. Do you remember that movie? The Pat- Petty Constable. Really heavy. It is very heavy, but that was the first one that I had seen her in a dramatic role and yeah it, it sort of seems like she's just sort of been on the up and up ever since then um, oh yeah yeah but i mean and it's like we were saying it's based on a play and one film it reminds me of certainly and i heard in an interview with the director is michael hanukkah's amour that mm-hmm. film is also almost entirely set in one apartment and that film is about an elderly couple and the wife uh, is deteriorating in health. It's not really mental issues, mm-hmm. uh, memory issues, but she uh, is deteriorating, you know, physically. And that's uh, a, an incredible film. And so in a weird way, the father is almost like uh, a more meets inception, you know, <laughs> but, I mean, not really, but it's, but it's it, it not in like a manipulative way, but it's, it yes. really is like a puzzle of a movie. Yes. It's an enigma. It, because there's some things like the inciting scene, like you're, you think to yourself like, okay, this is actually real. Like I'm going to start questioning stuff. But like, I'm going to use this as sort of like, this is what grounds me. And then you end up start like questioning that. So like there's stuff that like seems like established truth in the movie, but then like you find that like the ground you're standing on is is not quite so firm. And, you know, you're starting to shift in ways that you didn't expect. And it was I just didn't imagine it to be like so compelling and like riveting. Like it's one that's it's not super long, 97 minutes. It's like a pretty quick movie, but like it felt like it was over in like a flash just because like every scene is just so compelling. And there aren't a ton of scenes or like there's probably like four or five sort of big ones thinking about it off the top of my head. Like, and some of them, you know, are like pretty extended sequences that go on for like 20 minutes or so. And um, the editing's really brilliant because there's scenes that, you know, the way they transition, you're, you, you're uncertain, not even just, uh, you know, he gets confused about certain things in his life, but you're uncertain. Like, is, did this happen before that? You know? Yeah. It's like, oh, is this a memory? Is this yeah. happening now? Is this completely imaginary? Yeah. You know, did they get, you know, have they already eaten the chicken or is he remember, you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's just like these like little, it's incredible writing. And just like, they have these sort of like touchstones that like sort of like make you wonder whether this is real. Cause it's, like, <laughs> it, I mean, it really makes you sort of experience it. Because it's sort of like dreamlike in some ways, where like you're like, and I remember this, but is this what I thought it was? But also, what but what also makes it so powerful is that it does have this dreamlike quality, but it's also so kind of sparse and realistic at mm-hmm. the same time. Like this, it, you know, it's not like there's these you know flights of fan, you know, it's yeah, it's, it's not like much- it gets into surrealism or anything like that. No. And yeah, I mean, Anthony Hopkins is, I mean, not to give anything away, but like the final, like when he cries towards the end of the movie, it's just, oh, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I've actually, so far uh, of the uh, main categories, I should say with a caveat, I have not seen one of the best picture nominees yet, Judas and the Black Messiah, but of the best picture nominees, The Father is my favorite. Uh, And the for acting categories the only one i've as of right now seen all of the nominees as best actor i would without question vote for anthony hopkins for best actor i agree completely yeah um, i think chadwick boseman is fantastic in ma rainey's black bottom and this may be harsh but i don't think his death should be a factor in whether he wins or not i mean i think it's or the fact solely- that anthony hopkins has already won 
yeah. an Oscar. Right. I think that if you're just judging on, which is how you should judge, is just completely on the film and the performance. Uh, to me, Anthony Hopkins is, you know. And, it, and it's I, like truly like one of those like great like acting performances that you'll remember forever. Like truly some of the best film acting I've ever seen. Like he, I mean, it just, it seems like, I mean, it, from like looking at the play, it seems like everyone who plays this anywhere they go gets nominated for an acting award. It's just such a rich role. I mean, but you can imagine like in not as talented hands, it could potentially go bad. Like it's just, he grounds it in such an extraordinary way. And I, the last, I mean, he's just been in like Westworld is all I can remember Anthony Hopkins being in recently. So it didn't seem like this was up his sleeve. Well, but... no, I mean, he was nominated just like two years oh, ago. Oh, the two popes. Yeah, I didn't see the two popes. Yeah, no, he's but... having like a, I mean, he's being as good as he's ever been. I mean, yeah. in recent years. But uh, yeah, I, I, in this is another one that I think would work at home, but it's such a cinematic film. I would certainly yes. recommend it in the theater. And I think this is also, uh, of all the Best Picture nominees, I think this is like Minari. It's really only playing in theaters right now. Unless yes. you have to, is it even available to rent on demand for a, like 20 bucks? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, still at that range. Yeah, are um, there any films right now that are only, only playing in theaters? I don't know. No, because Nomadland is on Hulu. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, even uh, the non nominees, like, there is any. Yeah, on like, there? Godzilla vs. Kong is on HBO. That was on HBO. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I don't um, think there are any, actually, now that you, not that you mention it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I need to see so many more. I mean, what are the main Oscar nominated films you still need to catch up with? Uh, the big one is Another Round, which is nominated for Best Director. I guess we can just sort of touch on. That's uh, on Hulu. It is on Hulu, so I, I'm going to try to watch that before the Oscars. That one apparently is Tom- really, really good. Have you seen any of Thomas Wittenberg's films? No, The Hunt is the one. I, no, I have seen Far From the Batting Crowd. I just don't think of that as being a Thomas Wittenberg movie because it's... English it's, language, right. Well, and also it's just sort of a standard uh, literary adaptation. There isn't anything particularly interesting about it. The um, Hunt is a film that stars Mads Mikkelsen. I think it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film that year. And mm-hmm. uh, he's reteaming with him for another round. It's a dark comedy drama about a group of men that decide there's this theory they want to test that if they have their blood alcohol at a certain level at all, like times, a very low sort of, it's like 0.04 or something like that. Yeah. That their life will be better. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Thomas Wittenberg. I, I, I really like a movie he did early on. I don't know if it's his first feature, but he did a movie called the celebration, which was one of those dogma films, you know, really scrappy film, handheld camera. Mm-hmm. And that's a really great film. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I wish the criterion collection would release it. Mm-hmm. but uh the hunt uh and i yeah I, i'm i'm i definitely want to see that i i did watch one i do want to recommend one we won't review it because you haven't seen it but i did watch collective recently. that's the documentary feature yeah and it's nominated for best international feature too mm-hmm. uh and it's this romanian documentary has 95 on metacritic it's uh one of the very best reviewed films of last year made a lot of top 10 lists and it's like a romanian real life it's a documentary like all the president's men spotlight it's one of the best films like i've ever seen about journalism and you're following this horrible tragedy that happened a few years ago where a club called collective caught on fire and a number of people died and others were really severely burned Mm -hmm. and the hospitals in the area a number of them were have they had uh really bad bacteria problems because the cleaning products the sanitary stuff they had been diluting the uh the liquids the the cleaning liquids the sanitary stuff oh like shit 10 percent less than like t- like 10 times less uh than it should have been which makes a huge fucking yeah. difference <laughs> yeah and, and uh, oddly this sports gazette this uh, uh sports magazine paper was the one that like uncovered it all like a uh, major major uh, player in uncovering the scandal and it's just like fly on the wall like you're there, it just like happened it. to have a camera around yeah, there like stuff. you're following you're following it and uh it's on hulu it's really compelling wow. uh a collective so I, I recommend that the the ones that i need to watch are another round judas and the black messiah mm-hmm. I, I really want to see soul which is nominated for best animated feature and a lot that's of on that. disney plus i think right um i i do want to see some of the other uh 
Uh, you saw Wolf Walkers, didn't you? Which is the yeah. best. Did you like yeah. that? Oh, yes. Beautifully. Made. I really like the studio that does it. They make a sort of a lot of Irish mythology hand drawn. Right. It seems like it takes them a really long time to make each movie. Right. I still say my two favorite films that I saw last year were not nominated for any Oscars. First Cow and Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, there was this idea that there were like smaller movies like that. I, I expected that Never I'm not going to say it. The never. second one you mentioned, <laughs> never. Yeah, to be nominated for something. Because I, th- I th- like you mentioned, I thought they were going to sort of take the opportunity to nominate a lot of sort of smaller movies than otherwise might get sort of overwhelmed by the uh, theory of everything type movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which we or, didn't really get a ton of last year. No. And I do think that there are films that got boost. Like, I- I'm not saying that Nomadland wouldn't win Best Picture, but the fact that there isn't, other bigger movies like maybe. a juggernaut type there wasn't no Side, Man or something yeah and there wasn't west side story the yeah. spielberg version of the musical or there wasn't you know there wasn't like a not that black panther was going to win best picture but there wasn't like a, the one big movie the blockbuster yeah you know? fast nine was obviously going to get a best picture nominee <laughs> no but uh i <laughs> I, I, I mean, there are things I'm really excited about this year, but, uh, you know, I, I there were a lot of a lot of the best picture nominees are. Well, I mean, what's interesting in recent years, a lot of the best picture nominees have been like really small movies that like it's the true. average person does not see. Yes. Like how many people, you know, average people saw the Hurt shape of water Moonlight. Yeah. Well, I mean, even I mean, smaller like Moonlight and the Hurt yeah. Locker. Well, yeah. or, Moonlight uh, was very small. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to. Even Parasite, I mean, wasn't like a huge head. Oh, I think no. that was like big amongst people who like liked movies because they like won it, the Palm d'Or at Cannes. So that generated a lot of hype, but it's not like people follow <laughs> wins the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival very closely. No, because usually it's pretty obscure stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. But just sort yeah. of keep touching on him. Uh, supporting actor, Sasha Baron Cohen from Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya. Judas the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, which, have you seen that? No, that's another one I do want to Yeah, see. I need to watch that. Then Paul Racy, Sound of Metal. I guess... I don't want to judge ones I haven't seen, like, a lot of the nominees. But the grounds like, falls for Daniel Kaluuya for that, I yeah, feel like. He's, it's very likely that he'll win. It's he won likely. at, like, the SAGs and stuff like that, right? The Golden Globes. Golden Globe, yeah. Mike was not on for the first half oh really <laughs> that's yeah. funny because in the movie he makes a big note like i don't need no microphone that's very funny um supporting actress you think it's going to be the yeah. grandmother from minari it was right. also that's the <laughs> borat one got nominated for that hillbilly allergy did you see that movie no no i didn't either i didn't have a lot of interest in it she's nominated for a razzie for the same performance really yeah, that's like the times. rare. Yeah, yeah. Amy Irving and Yentl is another one. And then Amanda Seyfried from Mank. I think we both really like that performance. At least I did. Yeah, um, I mean, I like I said, I, I feel I, mean, I can say of every movie I saw last year, this is what I would vote for what I've seen. But I don't think it's fair to say I think this should win because mm-hmm. of these not like I. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, well, it's only I, Hillbilly Elegy you haven't seen in that one. Right. Um, because you saw it, Borat, yeah, the father Mank she's, she, she's the best thing in Borat. But, Maria uh, Bakalova, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah was, <laughs> you mentioned that when we reviewed it, but l- the best parts of Borat are the scripted scenes, which is not what you expect from a Borat movie. Right. Well, it has nine nominated writers, which is kind of that's I insane. Think, yeah, but um, there was it took like half of the announcements of the Oscars to list the. Uh, writers for that because they listed that whole long title and the nine writers and it's one of those two where they go screenplay by do 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 story by and like mm-hmm. some of them are repeated. based on the character <laughs> yeah i mean it's always weird like the original borat was nominated for best adapted screenplay too because it's based on the, the tv LED show, show. Yeah. yeah i always thought it was it's weird like there's categories are weird sometimes like the ballad of buster scruggs was nominated for best adapted screenplay because one of the segments is based like a jack london story or something and like other awards ceremony uh, groups gave it a nomination for original screenplay oh really yeah it's sort of like like up to the discretion of the the academy i guess and like it doesn't quite make sense to me that the before sequels are nominated for adapted screenplay because they're based on sequels. characters 
Yeah, but it's like, but their original screenplays is just <laughs> yeah, a sequel. Like, I think of adapted as has to be like a novel from a, a book or. What's weird is for we have. Or let's just move on to original. Is Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, Trial of Chicago Seven. Weirdly, I feel like a movie based on a historical event should be adapted. I know that doesn't make sense. But <laughs> well, but it can be a novel. It's true, but I like, I don't know. I see Trial of Chicago 7 original screenplay. I'm like, how is that not based on anything? <laughs> like, that has to be based on like a nonfiction book he read or something. Yeah, like, there's like, the transcripts. Exactly. I don't, I don't know. It just strikes me as weird. It's a Trial of Chicago 7. That has to be adapted to something, but nope, it's an original screenplay. But that one, I think Promising Young Woman actually has a really good shot of winning that one. Yeah, that's what people, it's going to be that or Sorkin probably. And then adapted screenplay. It's Borat, The Father, Nomad Land, One Night in Miami. And then The White Tiger, which was a Netflix movie. Um, Raman Barani. Did you end up seeing that? It looked pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah, I do want to see it. I've seen some of his earlier films. Uh, yes, yeah, so maybe we'll fil- talk about that in an episode in the future. Yeah. The two of his films came out in the Criterion Collection recently, and he was a filmmaker that Roger Ebert really was a, like kind of promoted and were mm-hmm. speaking highly of very early in his career. That one's, like that one's got to be the father, right? And after the screenplay, um, it's Nomad Land or the father. I think it's got to be the father. Well, the idea is that not because it's like so because of the dialogue, but what the fact how it's basically just the play. <laughs> well, no, I'm takes away from no, it. The, the, I mean, Nomad Land it, it could win because the idea is that she took this nonfiction book and how she crafted it into a film, and it's not like because of oh, that has these great great dialogue and speeches but it's, mm-hmm. it's how she building the to... world yeah yeah it's yeah but um yeah so what are what about actor and actress go through those actor Riz Ahmed Sound of Metal Chadwick Boseman Ma Rainey's Black Bottom Anthony Hopkins The Father Gary Oldman Mank Stephen Yoon Minari uh, it's got I, I mean it, the, uh, my opinion is definitely it should be Anthony Hopkins but I really well, wouldn't be surprised by any of them, except Stephen Yoon would be shocking. I think if he won, but aside from that, I, well, I don't think Gary Oldman's going. No, the, I just there's no. He, they love Gary Oldman though. Actors just love Gary Oldman, so that's why. I mean, the actor and actress sometimes love. shocks. It's true, but sometimes like it's kind of out of nowhere. Like um, Meryl Streep for the Iron Lady, I was like, I did not expect that. Well, um, she, it was going to be her, Viola Davis. I mean, she was like, yeah, it, but it was Olivia like, Coleman, the favorite. But just yeah, yeah actor and actresses, you can get some surprises. Well, the yeah, they're both. Um, well, best actor, it's it seems quite like Bozeman or that, Hopkins. Well, it seems likely it's Bozeman, but I've been looking at those Oscar uh, prognosticators. They, the, the, yeah, the and the people that interview ballot uh, people who vote anonymously. They oh they, yeah, they, and a lot of them said. Uh, Oh, Chadwick Boseman's going to win, but I voted for Anthony Hopkins. Like it, it's this, it's the Home Alone <laughs> theory that oh, everyone else is going to check on him, everyone else is going to vote mm-hmm. for him, so I'm going to vote for. But then if everyone just votes for Anthony Hopkins, then he's going to win. win. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, I mean, and I don't mean to make light of it. You know, it's 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 so tragic what happened to Chadwick Boseman. But like I said, I I mean. I think you should just go from the performance in the film, and he gives a wonderful performance in Ma Rainey, but mm-hmm. uh, and I mean. Like I said, this isn't reality, but like I, I certainly don't think if he was still living that, like I think Anthony Hopkins would be the front runner. Well, and it's all one of those ones where sometimes people forget, but even being nominated is like a, a really big deal. Like this is his first Oscar nomination, right? Chadwick Boseman. It will, right. def- it will obviously and, be his last. And also, it's. Uh, I think we should point out that there have been more people posthumously nominated that have not won than have won. Mm-hmm. So it's Peter Finch for Network and um, Heath Ledger, for, Heath the Ledger for the Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. James Dean was nominated, I think, twice. For Giant. Yeah. <laughs> East of Eden, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure which of the three he made films he did, but uh, mm-hmm. he's the only one that has two posthumous Oscar nominations. And but, then uh, Best Actress, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day, United States First Billy Holiday, which neither of us have seen, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, which neither of us have seen. Francis McDormand, Nomadland, Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. That's the, just one nomination for both both of those movies, right? Right. Yeah, which has happened before. Like, uh, you know, that's that's happened. Was that the case with Judy last year? Uh, I think nominated for like hair, hair and makeup. Oh, uh, okay, uh, yeah. 
but um, there that, that it, it's hard um, for a film that only gets one nomination. The Billie Holiday's question. one is one I felt like didn't get any hype until all of a sudden she was nominated for a bunch of uh, like acting, and she and then won she the Golden won Globe. Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah. But I do, uh, yeah, and the film got mixed reviews. But the and most people say kind of like Judy, you know, it's you know the central you know, performance is everything for the movie, right? But um, yeah, so it's it seems to be a three ray race between Viola Davis, Frances McDormand, and Carrie Mulligan. With I think the odds right now are Carrie Mulligan's. But that one's pretty close. I think Viola Davis is going to win. I would vote for her of the ones. I think, think Frances McDormand is going to win. I think she's in third place in the predictions right now. That's just I mean, she would be a three time winner if she were to win with this. Well, quite possibly four time winner because she'll win for oh, producing best picture, too. yeah. And that's one reason she might not win because they'll go, oh well, it's going to win best picture, so yeah. we don't need to vote for. But yeah, but I mean, I think that uh, who would? Okay, we've only seen three of them, but of the three we've seen, who would you vote for? Oh man, I, you want Viola Davis? Has she won an Oscar? She's won yeah, supporting lead actress, though. Yeah, you want her to win a lead actress at some point, and this might be the best chance. But Carrie Mulligan was, is yeah. really outstanding and promising yeah. young woman. So, but it, I also don't like that thinking of like, oh, yeah, it's true because you should just do it for the movie. So, yeah, yeah so I would give it to Carrie Mulligan, promising. I would, I would give it to Viola Davis. Yeah. Um, but if I were going to be, I mean, I honestly might give it to the lead actress from Never Rarely. Say. No, you know, honestly, <laughs> you I just do your alternate one. <laughs> I would, uh, I would maybe, I, I think possibly Jesse Buckley, I would have win best. You could only Buckley. choose from the ones offered. <laughs> but uh, yeah. The and, Viola I mean, Davis for you? Yeah, it would be. Viola and is that Davis. who you think is going to win? Um, That one's really, I think it's, I, I think it's going to be Carrie Mulligan or Viola Davis, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I was watching an Oscar video right before we started, and they were saying that people really admire Viola Davis and Carrie Mulligan, but Viola Davis is like beloved. I mean, she's like one of the great actors of her generation now. Right. And um, also, I think I read this, if I remember right. If Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis win actor and actress, it'll be the first time in Oscar history that lead actor and actress went to a film that was not nominated for Best Picture. Wow. That is yeah. one that's like almost shocking that it wasn't on it for best picture when you see well, was, all the other stuff it was nominated. Well, there for. are four films that were very close, I think, on the edge of being nominated for best picture that were all films about black people that did not get on. One Night in Miami. The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods, Soul, and Ma Rainey, all not nominated. I think like if they were revealed, like what were like the- Ninth and uh, tenth. Nine, 10, 11, 12. I'm not say, saying it would be those four, but I think that- you know, a number of them would be those films. This is I mean, one of those we, ones where it's just like you have ten spots. Why don't Why don't we use? They're going time? back to it. I think next yeah. time. Um, I actually like it better. Well, the thing I don't like is the the uh, preferential ballot where the film like there's films that get a bunch of twos and threes. That's what mm-hmm. wins best picture. Not all the because there might be a film that gets a lot of ones, but then. It's more divisive, and some people have it. I think out. it should just be, be you vote for one film for best picture, and whatever gets the most wins. No, I like. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, the whole way they do it of, is a bit questionable. Yeah, because I think that a movie like Green Book, it's like probably got a lot of second and third. Yeah, yeah, and you know there are people that really didn't like it, and there's people that loved it. But you know, I it I would be fascinated to see what was like oh, sixth nominee i would love like, to see them actually like release the full sort of votes well someone suggested why not when it gets to a hundred years the hundredth anniversary they release each year like when it gets to be the hundredth a hundredth oscars they release what was the first year what were like the <laughs> next three nominees in uh-huh. what order what who would have been the second winner like uh-huh. who would like no one would be alive from it it's true. Who are you going to piss Rain- off? Louise Rayner died a few years ago and she was like 105 and she won Best Actress twice early on. You know, Kirk Douglas and Olivia de Havilland, rest in peace, but uh, no one's going to... But yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's like we're both obsessed with the Oscars, but we also can be like, oh, you know, the Green Book won Best Picture and Forrest Gump won instead of Pulp Fiction. And Yeah. You know. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that's like it's interesting in that it like is sort of like a snapshot of the year in movies and just how people receive movies and like it or not. Like when people look back at movie history, 
one of the main reference points is which one won best picture and was nominated for what i like to point out that in recent years there have actually been a number of films that won best picture that were actually the number one best reviewed film of the year like i know Mm -hmm. it's not like the just you know this is the be and all but the you know but what is it the be a, be all end all uh but metacritic <laughs> has this thing where they do the top 10 list they compile it and like parasite was the best mm-hmm. reviewed film of the year the hurt locker moonlight um 12 years a slave there have been mm-hmm. a number of times and if it wasn't the number one it was like in the top three like spotlight was really high on the list yes and uh also argo spotlight was was incredibly well reviewed that year i remember that yeah there hasn't i mean besides green book in the last like 10 years there hasn't been a film that's won best picture that was like oh this is like really egregious i mean like i don't think the king's speech should have won best Picture. it wasn't a driving miss daisy yeah but it's like a really fine film yeah just was the social network should have won yes Yeah. But that's one where like the social network does not need your Oscar. Like it's and legacy like, yeah. lives well, on. And, and like Nomadland is the number one. So yeah, whether you liked it as much as others, but it's <laughs> everyone it's, else loved it. And that's sort of what it's about. Right. But I mean, I thought there were, there have been films that I was like, I was really glad the Revenant did not win. Cause that did not get nearly as good reviews as spotlight. Yes. That it was one reviews. of those movies that sort of like, uh, insisted upon itself to some extent where it's like look how important of a movie we are yeah. um anyway i uh i'm looking forward to watching it seeing steven soderbergh who's one of the producers mm-hmm. uh, so just seen. we thank nomadland's best picture best director it's i think a, it's, it's a lock certain. the other thing i was watching the video the, the gold derby predictions they're saying you know even if nomadland it, you know there's no second one. It's not like if it's going to be this, it's that. It's yeah. like, it, you know, it seems like Trial of Chicago 7 and Minari would be like second and third. But uh, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be Nomadland for best picture. Best. You think it's a lock for director also? That's the, of any category, that's the that's most, the most... Lock. Yeah, I think that. and Yeah, it's not like David Fincher is going to win. Thomas Finnenberg no. has no chance. It, yeah, that's the other thing that the best director is there's like there's no one that's close to being. I remember when you're in Entertainment Weekly, they had like the predictions of best actress when Helen Mirren was up for the Queen, and like it was like 98. <laughs> And, and and they were saying that like the reason the other ones like the you know the pluses and minuses the minuses they're not Helen Mirren. Yeah, and, yeah. it's like I, I think it's very likely it's going to be uh, the grandmother from Minari. I think it's very likely. Um, but supporting races go odd sometimes, like Marissa Tomei winning for my cousin Vinny and uh, Alan Arkin. Oh my God, Bridge of Spies. Yeah. Stallone didn't get it. Because <laughs> his brother was kind of upset with it and was fussing about oh, it. Oh, Frank Stallone? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Frank Stallone. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to make him angry. Well, he didn't win in the original Rocky. I mean, in the That's film and the, you know. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember there was some political campaign that someone had the Rocky theme as their uh, music and someone pointed out, you know, you know, like he doesn't win in the first movie. <laughs> He's like, oh, I should have gotten the music from Rocky too. You should well, have just said Eye of the Tiger. Well, if you talk about films, like Rocky should, absolutely should not have won Best Picture that year. That was like an amazing year. It was like Network. Is that Network's year? Taxi Driver, Bound yeah. for Glory. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, you can imagine a crowd pleaser, but like, I don't think people that. this today understand what a big deal Rocky was when it came out. Like, yeah. that was one of those ones that was like massive critical acclaim and also massive box office. It's not like Taxi Driver was seen by, you know, hundreds of millions of people, but Rocky was like a sensation. Right. Um, what was the last Best Picture winner that was like, you know, huge blockbuster? Titanic, certainly, but Lord, Lord of the Rings. Or yeah, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. But um, you th- think, I mean, Crash, the King's Speech, there's ones that ended up, you know, especially for their budget and that type yeah. of movie did really well. But there has, I wonder what's the last. Green Book grossed a lot, didn't it? Shape of Water, I think, probably grossed quite a bit, but not a huge, I don't know. I, I know the, lo- you know, it's the lowest grossing ever. Uh, is it Moonlight? That's two. I looked it up because I taught Moonlight this week. Hurt Locker. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, what was, which was up against Avatar. Yeah. which was like the highest grossing movie of all time and now is back to it after being re-released in china but yeah cheated 
yeah and the fact that it was it was also really interesting because they were had been married yep cameron and Catherine. that was one of the like that was when the oscars were great yeah (laughs) make the oscars great again right (laughs) we don't have a james cameron Catherine bigelow feud there's nothing like that this year no but there uh you did you know that um the cinematographer of nomadland is the partner of chloe Zhao? there it's it was a thing where like he is also credited for something else right like production design or something oh really yeah i can't remember what it was there was like a why is this guy nominated in two categories it's like oh just because that's the way they they do the movie because <laughs> it's right. very sort of guerrilla style she's like a alfonso caron with roma she's nominated i think in like four categories because best picture uh-huh. director screenplay and she uh edited the film right mm-hmm. yeah is that right yeah I, yeah that is right because uh alfonso caron shot roma was the cinematographer mm-hmm. is that the most nominations anyone's ever gotten in one ceremony for I just remember the Coen brothers when they won for No Controlled Men won like a ton of awards I, I, that night. I know it's funny because like when they won for Best Director, they came on like, well, I don't know if you have anything much else to say we haven't said already. <laughs> yeah. They, but uh, yeah, I remember they said it was so funny. They were saying that they remembered when they were young, they were, they took their camera and went to the uh, airport and they filmed a movie called Henry Kissinger, Man on the Run. You know, it's like they were like eight years old and they had the intelligence to like know who Henry Kissinger was and they were filming. But anyway, uh, that I was one if... where they got nominated as a pseudonym, right? Roger yeah. Jane's. Yeah. Uh, and also, well, the craziest was that Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman were nominated for oh. the adapted screenplay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an interesting category of the adapted screenplay because it's a, it's adapting it's a, the, of the Orchid or- Thief. But it's really an original screenplay about about adapting yeah. York. Yeah. yeah, but uh, that's why that's yeah. truly one of the greatest screenplays ever written. Yeah. But anyway, we're really <laughs> rambling now. But Jonathan's really... just still upset that uh, Charlie Kaufman didn't get nominated for. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Well, if they were going to nominate to film it for anything, it is a real. I've read the novel, and it is a really good adaptation. Yeah. Uh, to make it sort of cinematic and more of a, a thriller. Because the novel's like huge, right? Well, like the no, well, no, the novel is actually more, more of, a of a horror. It's more like a genre thing, and he made it less so. He made it more Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, made it more cerebral, and I mean, not that the novel isn't cerebral, but the novel is a little bit more like, especially towards the end, like thriller horror. Uh-huh. And he made it, you know, naked custodian walking through a school <laughs> with an animated pig infested with maggots. <laughs> Who yeah. like talks to you in a very sweet farm animal voice? Yeah, voiced by. Oh, I don't know. Uh, who is another good character actor? Oh, I can't remember his name. Oliver Platt. Voice. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. He's or in really Dave. Uh, Dave. Yeah, he's he, yeah he, he's one of the he's one of those good character. Yeah, but uh, do you know Rand? Okay, do you know who's on the phone in Uncut Gems when he's calling and talking about the uh, the you know the raffle well not the raffle what do you call it the where they hold up the sign the the bidding mm-hmm. oh the auction yeah no i can't remember tilda swinton really yeah we tilda swinton's whole, in everything we should do we should do, we should do an episode about like uh uncredited cameos and voice perform you know like uh michael caine's and almost every christopher Nolan david's for theron in the darkest hour plays uh franklin roosevelt over the phone Oh, yeah, I was going to say that Michael Caine is in almost every, Chris, every Christopher Nolan. Dunkirk, movie, he's on the radio. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Anyway. A beach right. to it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Oscars on Sunday. Nomadland is going to win everything it's nominated for. So no. <laughs> it's not going to win. Be ready to see Nomadland clean up. Um, Mank probably will be shut out, even though it one. has the most nominations. It'll win Best Production Design, probably. Oh, one that actually had, that has a good shout for is best special effects, because for what? Oh my god! If you like, see, look at the making of the movie. Like, Wait, it's not nominated for special effects, is it? If it isn't, then that's a crime because, like, basically that entire movie is like green screen, like so because it's but it does it like seamlessly because yeah, uh, was it nominated for special effects? If it wasn't, it's a crime because it was. You just need to watch the, the making of. You need to watch the making of. Netflix deletes this whole thing. It's just crazy. But yeah. I don't know. That's a tangent. <laughs> yeah, Mank is the most nominated, prob- but it's quite possible to get one. Yeah. 
Well, hopefully, this is the first time we're recording on Zoom, so hopefully you're able to listen to this. <laughs> if you hear my voice right now, this ended up being successful. If not, we just had a good time talking between ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have a something special for our 50th episode, I guess, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully this works, yeah. Thank you for we'll listening. We'll be back with the all next time.